The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back to Nature of Business. I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin, and we are excited to have on the line with us right now Morgan Clendaniel. He is the editor for Coexist, which is a section of Fast Company's website, and we're thrilled to learn a little bit more about Coexist. Welcome, Morgan. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, well, let's get started with, with what uh, Coexist is. Give us the cliff notes here on what, what you're doing as the editor. Sure. So uh, Coexist is a site about world-changing ideas and innovation, uh, and basically what that means is uh, we're sort of looking at a vision of the future as we want it to be a more sustainable, uh, better future, uh, you know, where people use fewer resources and live better lives without destroying the planet. Um, so the stories we focus on on Coexist are, are about people and projects and ideas that are going to sort of take us from where we are now, the sort of fraught, uh, not-so-good place into this, I don't want to say utopian, because we believe it can actually happen, but this, you know, better future that we envision. Okay. So how are you, I mean, as the editor, you obviously are incredibly busy, and I know that you you don't only focus on sustainability, but you have energy, tech, food, health, transportation, all this stuff intertwined. Um, How do you find these stories? Um... You know, they come to us from a lot of places. Uh, uh, We look in a lot of sort of journals. Uh, A lot of the things we're writing about are sort of recently published scientific uh, results or, you know, sociological results. Um, These things that are sort of on the cutting edge of uh, science and technology that we hope will soon be sort of more mass adopted and help us, uh, you know, get to a better place. Um, That's sort of the baseline, you know, we're sort of tapped in and talking to a lot of the companies in the space, so they'll come to us, um, you know, with their news uh, when when they're doing interesting things. Uh, and then, you know, it's just keeping your ear to the ground uh, yeah. and finding the, the cool story about the new innovation that no one knows about yet. Right. It gives you a lot of hope when you read your site, the the stories on your site, because it's so innovative and creative. And And how do you, as the editor, figure out it sounds like I mean every story you have up there is pretty. You have a definite cool factor. How how do you figure out what's going to actually resonate with the with the reader when they when they see the title of the of the article? Let's say. Right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I think what we're really going for with every post is sort of the hope that we're going to blow people's <laughs> minds a little bit uh, and and uh, you know just sort of rejigger the way that they sort of think the world works by showing them this new thing that is going to make the world work differently. Uh, so you know, when I am looking at stories or, or writing headlines, what I'm hoping for is to. Uh, sort of create a sense of wonder and and awe in the people who read it, and that's sort of our baseline of 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 what a story on coexist is. Mm-hmm. And do the people who who read the stories are they getting back to you and giving you feedback on 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 what they're reading and saying how can I get involved or how did this how does this actually happen? Or? Yeah, um, you know, I think, and that's sort of when you uh, feel the best about about the the you know, the site and the project we're working on uh, is when you feel like you're really sort of activating people. Um, So, yeah, we get, you know, we're constantly getting emails sort of about stories being like, how can I get involved? Or from other companies asking to be connected to new companies or new research um, through us so they can, you know, 
take it to the next step. Um, and yeah, that's always sort of the most gratifying part. Definitely, because you think that you know when you read something like, oh, I hope this happens, I hope this happens, but then you end up taking this passive role and saying, well, I hope it happens. Right. It, it, just, just last night, I was reading the the article on airports and how they're turning into you know much more than just airports, and I was thinking, well, I hope I just go to one of those cities soon and see what happens. But it's fun to actually be involved in these things. So if there is that feedback loop for the reader, that's a cool that's a cool part of it because then you can actually be a connector. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's you know we don't want to just be sort of flat reporting. You know, as right. much as we can sort of help these things move along, that that makes the job even more exciting. Um, and I will say, you know, we've been around for um, almost a year now, um, and so it's also been really interesting to sort of see some of the things that you start reporting on just as a germ of an idea or a scientific finding. You know, we're now sort of at a, a length of time of publishing that we can sort of be following up on these stories and, and seeing them actually come to fruition. So are you posting them again? So if you have a story, let's say a year ago, you're, you're updating? Uh, yeah, you know, if they, you know, if they have new new news uh, or what have you, um, we will, uh, you know, we'll certainly do an update to say that this thing that, you know, was just a concept eight months ago is now, you know, has now come to market. That's so cool. That's really cool. So um, one of the things that I love about um, the site is that it's not completely and utterly sustainability focused. There's definitely a part of that, but it's intersected with all of these other subjects, uh, the aforementioned subjects of tech, food, health, transportation. How, how um, do you think that sustain- sustainability in general is best served when it's mixed in with all these topics? Yeah, I mean, I would say this is like, we don't focus on sustainability as a topic because it, it, it sort of is underlies all the other topics. You know, we don't, we were not really going to do a story that in some way doesn't um, advance the cause of sustainability. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, writing about sustainability in and of itself uh, seems sort of beside the point. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it definitely does. You know, when we started the site, we we definitely wanted to sort of be serving uh, news about sustainability um, to people who might not care about sustainability um, and sort of set ourselves apart from uh, the sort of part of the media world that focuses on sustainability news, and they do a great job, but I think that they're sort of, uh, you know, reaching the same people who believe in these things. And with Fast Company, sort of more business audience, we were sort of hoping to get people uh, who might not, uh, you know, be following up on the latest news about, you know, the newest solar panel um, and get them sort of interested in this kind in this sort of sector through a sort of more business and sort of more innovation oriented mm-hmm. approach. Mm-hmm. So the, the, um, the relationship with Fast Company, I know that you have some, some of your stories are printed in the actual hard copy of the magazines. Is that going to be something down the road that, that uh, Coexist is, has a more pronounced uh, presence in the magazine? Um, you know, yes and no. I mean, that's sort of a larger future future of media <laughs> question um, it is, is how we you know better link up the magazine and, and the yeah. website um, which I can't really speak to because a lot of other people are involved in that decision but um, you know as much as possible we try to sort of create synergies uh, you know between the web and print and the stories we're working on sure sure so who is your demographic here um you know, it's hard to say. I think I think we sort of there are sort of a, a couple 
uh, different groups that we hit sort of with different stories and, and maybe a perfect story hits all three of them. Um, so I think one is, uh, you know, is the sort of standard uh, sustainability, uh, you know, maven who is really interested in these things and is looking for like the latest news. Um, uh, you know, I think a lot of our stories are definitely, um, you know, right up there uh, in those people's wheelhouse. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, and then I think another one is sort of a more uh, fast company business audience. Um, you know, we do a fair number of stories sort of uh, from a sort of insider business perspective, sort of uh, various, uh, you know, entrepreneurs at, at companies talking about how, uh, you know, offering advice about how you can make your company or your startup, you know, more sustainable, um, or you know, how you can make your sustainable startup more successful. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, those stories do really well, and I think people are sort of very interested. Uh, you know, these days it's very hard to start a company. I think without having some sort of social mission, how, however much you actually care about that social mission, I think is maybe up for grabs. But um, I think the sort of idea of attaching some form of sustainability or social good to a company is very important to people now. So anything that we do sort of around giving advice about that really resonates with a sort of group of entrepreneurs and innovators. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think uh, the third part of our demographic is really just you know people on the internet who like to hear about the next uh, cool thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, things that just make them go, gee, gee whiz, I hadn't thought about that. And, you know, that, that sort of... That I think is is what is the sort of main driver of a lot of social sharing is you know something that made you stop and think and then you want your network to also stop and think and so you know those stories um, will always do really well for us and and I think that those are sort of our three demographics and 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 we try to sort of either tailor the sort of days stories to sort of hit those three things or ideally the stories sort of hit more than one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in terms of the, the, the general tone, you know, when you come into work every day, you say, okay, I'm going to put up all these articles that are really, they have a high cool factor, really, um, inter- they're interesting stories and certainly stories that you hadn't thought about before. And at least in my case, I'm like, wow, you know, I just didn't even think about it. What right. are, are you trying to disrupt here and just say, okay, now I want to you know, provide this arsenal of information for people so they'll then go out and disrupt and create and innovate? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think, um, you know, we talked before about about connecting people, and I think that's sort of the, the, the most sort of focused way we can be sort of driving change through our reporting. But I think sort of more broadly, there's just sort of this idea of, uh, yeah, like inspiration to think about things differently. Um, mm-hmm. And that's sort of my big hope is that if you're reading the site every day, both that you sort of understand that people are thinking and working really hard and coming up with these crazy solutions that um, are going to create a better future and that you might be inspired either sort of by a specific thing or just sort of by the general ethos of this work to sort of um, work on that yourself. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So how about you? How did, how, um, how did you end up at, at this position Let's start there. Uh, sure. So I, uh, uh, prior to this, was the deputy editor at Good Magazine. Um, and Good Magazine had a had a similar mission, but maybe with a, a slightly different uh, focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked at Good Magazine from before uh, the launch of the first issue uh, until uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, so I was there for four or five years. Um, 
And so that really sort of, you know, just uh, really immersed me in sort of the social good uh, and space. Um, and, you know, a lot of the people and, and organizations who are, are working on this. Um, and so then I uh, came to Path Company to sort of help them launch Coexist, um, which was their, uh, you know, they, they the idea of covering sort of the business for good and, and sustainability space has always been a really important part of the sort of the Fast Company editorial, mm -hmm. um, and they were looking to sort of have a specific, more focused part of their website. Um, and so that that is why I came. Cool. And have you always been in, in, in editing? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is a natural progression then. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you. so what about all the other sites that are on the, um, on the, um, on the Fast Company uh, site, for instance, there's the co-design and co-create. Were those all created at the same time, or uh, no? So co-design uh, was sort of the flagship of what we call the co-sites, which are these sort mm -hmm. of sub-sites within Fast Company. Um, they started co-design uh, basically because they realized they were doing a lot of design stories. Um, you know, a lot of the Fast Company stories were focused on design and uh, the idea was to start a place of the website where those stories could sort of live with each other and talk to each other more interestingly than uh, sort of just on the main Fast Company website where they might be interspersed between other, uh, you know, not posts that were totally not about design. Mm -hmm. um, and co-design did incredibly well. Uh, and so, you know, they the editorial thinking was that we should do this with sort of more of the subsections of what makes up the entire Fast Company editorial. So Coexist is sort of the business for good angle, which is a, an important aspect of, of the Fast Company brand. And then uh, Co-Create is more obviously named and is about sort of creativity um, and how that can affect and, and better business and business practices. Okay. And do you ever cross-pollinate stories? Uh, yes. We will uh, we'll oftentimes either run two stories on the same thing, but, you know, with a, you know, there'll be a design story about the design angle, sort of, and a coexist story about the sustainability angle. Um, so, yeah, that, that happens pretty frequently. Um, and, and less frequently, we'll just sort of run the same story on, on different sites and, and just make it look a little different. Okay. Okay. So, Obviously, the fun part is talking about some of these stories. I mean, obviously, this whole thing is fun, but but uh, <laughs> but um, but the stories are really really cool. So, um, there, you know, I went through a couple of them. There's so many of them, and obviously, they change every day. Um, what are some of what are some of your your favorites, or at least most recent, that really sort of when they came across your desk, you had a real wow factor? Sure. Um, I'll actually say, so this is, is less recent, but, but remains the biggest wow factor um, <laughs> that we've ever done, I think, uh, was this amazing uh, startup out of MIT, uh, which created, uh, basically, it's, it's, a, it's an organic, food-safe, totally edible coating um, that you, that's designed to be put inside of uh, food containers, uh, so like a ketchup bottle, say. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what it does is it makes the inside of the ketchup bottle uh, totally uh, slippery. So all the ketchup comes out of the ketchup bottle, so you never waste any. Oh, that's so smart. Um, and so, um, you know, the videos of it are amazing because uh, the, uh, the ketchup is just slip sliding around in this, in this <laughs> bottle. Um, 
and I think it, it's it's really indicative of sort of what we're trying to do in that it's a just crazy story um, that a lot of people are just really interested in because it has these you know crazy pictures um, and but then underlying it there's this sort of important sustainability message which is that we waste a lot of food because it's stuck to the inside of containers and um, you know it's something that you it, it's a solution you wouldn't even think of and you wouldn't even maybe think of the problem um, but right. that someone is working on it and solving it and soon all our containers will be completely clean when we're done using them um, is you know, a pretty amazing thing when you stop to think about it. So that so is it made it into the marketplace? Uh, it has not made it into the marketplace yet, but but they are they are working on it. Um, uh-huh. It was actually uh, initially designed uh, for uh, you know industrial use to keep things uh, you know pipes flowing and things moving in factories, uh, and then they realized a that you could eat it and b that they could put it in, you know, a mayonnaise jar. That is so cool. See, those things are, yeah, that, this is what I'm talking about, audience. You have to uh, get on Coexist and uh, and check these stories out. In fact, we should um, give the website. It's www.fastcoexist.com. And for those of you who are just joining us, I'm speaking with Morgan Clendaniel. He's the uh, editor of Coexist. So what are some other ones? I have a couple, too, but what are, what are what's another story that sort of is up in your purview here um you know what are some other good ones we've done recently uh we did a a great story uh with some great pictures about uh the gates foundation recently sort of held a contest uh, about designing a new toilet that would use no water and convert all the waste to power so uh all these uh various companies sort of came to seattle to present their uh different toilet designs to the Gates Foundation to try to earn, you know, this big, this big grant and the Gates Foundation, uh, uh, sort of manufactured gallons and gallons of, uh, you know, fake waste to use in these toilets to make sure that they worked. Um, so those, those, you know, those are great pictures. Uh, that's a great story. Um, that's cool. Uh, it's that sort of um, co-creating too. It's the, it's exactly, yeah, I love that, that, that trend that we're on where, um, people come up with the ideas and they're, they're incentivized, whether it be through a grant or whatever have you. Um, there are a lot of people out there that want to get their ideas out and they need the, the forum and the venue to do it. Um, how about the, the low line in, um, in New York? This is something, the high line is, is, has opened and it's gorgeous and it's this wonderful above ground greenery, green walking space in New York um, that once was a train track. And how about what, what's going on with the low line? There was a story recently, or maybe relatively recently, in Coexist. Sure. Um, so the low line is a uh, project that actually started on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, and basically, some uh, artists and architects in New York looked at the success of the High Line and, and had this sort of funny idea to replicate it in this abandoned uh, trolley station uh, under Delancey Street in downtown New York. Except, you know, the big difference is the High Line is outside and elevated and, and has sort of all this beautiful greenery, and the uh, this abandoned trolley station is underground. Um, so uh, uh, they raised uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on Kickstarter to sort of begin this project of, of figuring out how you would make an underground park. Uh, and just last week, they uh, unveiled sort of uh, a lot of their research, which involved this this pretty amazing 
sort of solar technology that will allow the, the very small amount of light that comes in, that sort of filters in through uh, grates in the street into this abandoned trolley station to sort of diffuse throughout the space in such a way that will allow you know people to see and even uh, plants to grow. Um, so, you know, we have a piece about this about this technology and sort of how it works and 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 then sort of the future of the low line which is still uh, a little up in the air because uh, it's I think pretty hard to turn a abandoned trolley station into a park especially in New York and all the red tape involved right, but they exactly. uh, you know they have figured out the light problem at least <laughs> that's so fun though and then one of the stories that caught my eye was about Walmart being the most solar company in the U.S. Um, I found this really interesting because everybody has their opinions and rather strong either way about about Walmart. And what, what what's going on with this story? Sure. So uh, a new study just came out that basically found that, um, you know, Walmart, because it has really big, a lot of really big flat buildings, um, mm-hmm. has the most installed solar capacity um, in the entire country. Um, I think it's 65,000 uh, kilowatts, um, you know, on the roofs of, of their various stores. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's it's always a, a fine line to walk. Um, you know, Walmart actually sort of is, is a thing that that happens that, that we talk about all the time because Walmart is is a huge company and mm-hmm. is doing actually pretty impressive things sort of on the sustainability front with their supply chain and things like this um, with their with their store and because they're so big, uh, you know, a very small movement at Walmart uh, has you know huge ripple effects on the entire economy. Um, at the same time, you know, we're sort of obviously focused on a, a local, smaller is better um, ethos about a lot of things, and and Walmart clearly violates that. Um, and I think just sort of walking that line both in our in our coverage and just sort of enforcing people to sort of think both ways about the things is really important. You know, at at some point you have to sort of be willing to go against your orthodoxies in in some way if we're ever going to you know find solutions to to global problems everyone is probably not going to be totally happy with the things they believe in and so you know we try to cover everything um fairly objectively from that standpoint sure one of the stories that um that i thought was was interesting was regarding the tar sands um, and this was a relatively recent story. I found it interesting because there's so much publicity on tar sands and I actually, I think if someone had sat me down and said, well, tell me what you don't like about tar sands, I would probably just say, well, they're dirty. I don't know. I just hear they're dirty and they're in Canada and it's a problem and I, I you know, that's that's just, the, I have a cursory knowledge of it. But this was a really interesting article about sort of uh, uh, getting sick if something happened at a refinery, which did happen um, not with tar sands per se, but in California. And it was a really interesting article that was like kind of a fact check. It just, and, and so in addition to the creative and innovation, you know, innovative articles you have, you do have these factual articles that really say, okay, well, this is what happens if, you know, we start using increasingly, you know, larger amounts of tar sands in our refineries. Um, did who did you? I don't think you wrote this, but I, uh, no, I didn't. You didn't uh, write that uh, one. Okay. My, my senior editor Ariel Schwartz wrote it. Yeah, okay. but um, yeah, you know, I think I think uh, you know, one of the challenges we sort of face with the site is that is sort of how to be newsy. This stuff isn't in the news that often, um, but you know, when it is, when there are sort of big issues like like the the tar sands, um, you know, or the Keystone pipeline, uh, we try to 
you know, make sure we're hitting those stories and 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 sort of getting the facts right. I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think fact check is a is a sort of appropriate way to put it, and, and sort of just to make sure that people know, you know, actually what they're talking about when they or or hearing about when they hear about these stories. Right, and then you you know there's examples of 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 you know a woman in. Detroit, you know, who had had breathing issues and they figured out what was going on and it was sort of a separate, um, you know, part of this. But it was, you know, it, ma- it makes it very real when you actually give stories and talk about stories instead of just hear the facts. And, and right. I thought that was done really well. Um, well, how about how about one one more uh, story? Let's see. Um, I thought the cleaning up on the on the same line as the oil spills, cleaning up oil spills with peanut butter, chocolate, and whipped cream. I mean, that's going to catch your eye. Sure, you're going right. to want to um, read that. Uh, you know, that's definitely a, a, a headline that might be overselling it slightly, um, <laughs> but it, it is, I guess, true. Um, so basically, the, the idea of the story is that um, you know, after the Gulf oil spill, we we use a lot of these things called dispersants, which uh, is basically meant to break up the oil uh, into smaller so that it, uh, you know, isn't covering the ocean as much and isn't covering uh, animals, uh, but then sort of as the, and and that was an important thing in the cleanup, but sort of as time went on, it became clear that the dispersants were also bad, you know, maybe not quite as bad. There's a quote in the article uh, from a, you know, scientist saying that dispersants were the lesser of two evils. Um, you know, it was clearly better than leaving the oil in the water, but, um, you know, at what cost? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, scientists have now developed a new dispersant, uh, which is made out of, uh, you know, lycothin, which is a food preservative and, and, and cellulose, um, and, uh, you know, which are sort of uh, the main ingredients in a lot of sort of processed food stuff, um, but which, when you put in the water, is a lot less poisonous than the old uh, old dispersants mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot less harmful to animals. Um, so, again, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a just a fun innovation uh, coming from a weird place, um, right. but that can, could have sort of huge ramifications uh, for the future, you know, because yep. they're probably will be another oil spill. Oh, boy. I'd like to not think about it, but you're probably right. right. <laughs> well, it's just this, these are good to sort of talk about so we can give our, our listeners a, a sense of, of the kind of cool factor and, and really interesting stories. What's going to... So it's been around for a year. What what are, what are the plans for the, the future, then, do you think, let's say, in the next year? Um, so, you know, I just... just Bottom line is just more coverage, um, mm-hmm. you know, more posts every day, um, you know, more crazy innovation, uh, hopefully breaking uh, a lot more news. Um, And then I think also, you know, longer form things, um, more reporting, uh, you know, now that we sort of have our feet under ourselves, we can sort of go after the stories that we really want to be going after. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably mostly what you'll see from us next year. Okay, so you're going to be a busy man. Yeah. (laughs) Not that you aren't already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate it so much that you, you took the time to, uh, to speak with us. This is terrific. Um, we will uh, be in touch for sure, and um, I will make sure our audience has all the appropriate links to uh, access the site. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Morgan. Bye. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. 